Gets open for three. Dagger! The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions! You like that? You like that? I like that. You gotta like that, right? My approval ratings keep going up. Sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. Welcome in to Defeating the Curse. My name is Joe. His name is Stevie. It's a two-man show. We have officially transgressed. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not transgressed. Transitioned. 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 You probably did some transgressing. I, I did. I'm back from Florida. Listen, Florida, th- those are my people, man. Florida, that's my jam. I, I, we did something crazy, Stevie. We we drove down to Florida. Uh, we drove down. Took twelve hours to drive down. We stayed for about sixty hours, I think, in total. And then we packed it right in and drove right back. Got home this morning and got right back to work. Has been a busy, busy weekend for your boy. Um, it, you're, it's, you're on it's the been crazy. you're on the DeSantis train after being in Florida. I, I mean, I just love it down there, man. Like people, like COVID ended like two and a half years down there. Like nobody, nobody gives a shit. Everybody's just living their life. Okay. Like restaurants are open. The beach is fine. Okay. Like, you know, the, the ocean, the salt kills everything or whatever. The kids had a blast in the pool. I, I am a sucker for, for the road trips too. I think you know this from, you know, I guess our, our, uh, ocean city, our ocean city days, I guess <laughs> a very different type of road trip, but I just, there's something about it, man. Like I know you, you've got kids too, the traveling and the, you know, when they were younger, the strollers and the diapers and the thing and the cooler and the thing and the other thing and the iPad, it's so much easier. Just jump in the van. They all pass out by like 10 o'clock and it's just your boy in the road the rest of the way. It, it was just so easy to do it. it. I'm literally just listening to podcasts and music by myself. It's perfect. And you get down there and it's, you know, it's warm and sunny, although it was warm and sunny here. I think it was actually warmer in DC than it was in, um, in Orlando and Cocoa Beach, you, you, but you don't you don't stop halfway. Uh, only for fuel and potty, and just we do it. You do the straight shot. Yeah, straight shot. We we want to stop at some point. At some point, we're going to start stopping. I think when the kids are able to take it in a little bit more. Like right now, it's just you got to get through it as quick as possible. But uh, I mean, you know, I have an affinity for like Savannah, like that that city, mm-hmm. like is really near and dear mm-hmm. to uh, to my heart and my wife's heart too. So. We're excited to be able to actually stop there, you know, maybe do a night, um, you know, see some of our friends there. But for right now, it's just turbo driving straight. It, I mean, it couldn't be easier. Literally 95 south, you know, 800 miles exit Orlando or exit Cocoa Beach, Satellite Beach, whatever. And that's it. It's, it's super easy. But I'm tired, man. Like, I'm I'm, I'm exhausted. But I, I did get a chance to listen to a ton of stuff, different topics, different shows. And I got to tell you, Stevie... You're the golf guy, right? And and without Tiger, golf really doesn't matter, I think, to the masses. But I'm fascinated by this uh, Saudi desert dueling league, uh, you know, thing that's that's coming, uh, you know, basically taking shape. I mean, Greg Norman, I know him as the the shark, if I'm not mistaken, shark. right? The line of clothing uh, from J.C. Once upon a time, I think I used to wear back in uh, in high school with the little shark, the little thing on the thing. But you know, I. I'm fascinated by this. I'm actually fascinated like from the business side of it, right? I don't know how, how closely you're following this, but can the PGA stop professionals that are technically unionized? Because there is a players association, right? There's a, there is a, like the players are, are, they are bonded in some regard from participating in another league that doesn't compete with the PGA. It's, it's a very interesting little thing. I mean, the, the only thing I can think of that would be similar is, 
you know, like WNBA players play in the, the domestic league here in the States and then go play overseas during the offseason in the, in the United States and make a ton more money overseas. And this is kind of how that's shaping up too. You see it, you see it with international soccer stars as well um, sometimes. But the WNBA is the best analogy I can come up with. Like the, the stars of the WNBA make whatever they make in the WNBA, but they go overseas and they make double or triple that you know, in half the time playing in the National League of China or Turkey or whatever, and then they come back, right? And if the PGA players want to do the same, shouldn't they be allowed to? Because they will make a ton of, they will make so much more money in the Saudi League. Well, you know, that's, that's your question is, will the, can the PGA stop them? I don't know the answer to that question. They're certainly going to try. And the only way they're, the, the only thing they have going for them is, the tradition, history, and lure of the championships, of the major championships, right? The PGA Championship, the Masters, of course, U.S. Open, the British Open, things like that. That's all they have, you know? And if a guy like Mickelson, who made some pretty alarming comments, I think we can both agree that they were pretty stupid and pretty... uh, He uh, wants that Saudi money, but doesn't want the Saudi smoke, right? Like, he doesn't want... Like he's he's taken a half stand with the human rights, you know, like tongue in cheek comments that he made. But then on the other hand, like if they pay me, I'll play. Right? Like, I, yeah. he admitted to it. I mean, we know that's the status quo for most of these guys. But Mickelson said the quiet part out loud, which is you know the stupid part on on his part. But I mean, they're going to throw a ton of money at these guys, and clearly it's working. You know, when you hear someone like Phil Mickelson say those things. Um, courses I've heard over there in the Middle East are gorgeous. They're beautiful. Uh, conditions are perfect. I mean, they'll, they'll wine and dine these guys. And golf is a sport where, you know, it's funny because prestige is so important, right? To wear that master's jacket. You know, that that's why Tiger, you know, the, the Jack uh, Nicholas record of the most uh, um, uh, grand slams, the most majors, like these are huge things. You know, I liken it to, you know, maybe the NBA that doesn't have this mystique of, you know, whatever. If an NBA league in China, which obviously we know China's got their tentacles in the NBA already. But if an NBA league in China threw double the money at LeBron James, he'd go over there. He'd, he'd be on the first flight to Beijing. I mean, that, that that's just. I think the difference, you know, though, is we, we see that, though. Like, the CBA does – I mean, Stefan Marbury was an MVP over there, right, after he flamed out of the NBA. The difference here is that you're not you're not trying to grab players on their way out or, like, in their twilight years, right? International soccer is kind of set up the same way, right? You see a guy like Zlatan, right, like, come over or Beckham come over in the, in the twilight of their career, like, towards the end, and they can dominate a domestic league, you know, in the United States, which just competitively doesn't stack up against a, even an Italian league or whatever – this is different though. Like these guys can still, they can still play. Like, and they are still playing, right? This is a competing tour as opposed to a competing league. Or, or it's so why? Why can't they do both? I, I mean, I, well, the the PGA is saying they can't because they're they're unionized labor and they're under contract to the PGA, right? That they're saying that they're you know the way that the PGA is now structured with the players' tournament and all that other stuff. Like it's 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 a package, right? And the PJ is now taking this hard stance of take it or leave it. The irony though, and, and I, listen, I'm not a golf guy, but I went, I went back and just did a little bit of research. I mean, the world golf tour, I think was like a 1990s initiative, very similar where basically the euros and the Americans were like, can we play our own stuff during when these two leagues or when, when, when these tours are not in, can we do our own thing? And 
both the Euro Union and the, the, the United States basically said, no, you can't. And then before that, I think there was the tournament players division or something to that effect where they basically tried to set up like a playoff. You know, but even, I mean, the HBO thing that happened a couple years ago, do you remember that? The Tiger... Uh, no, Tiger versus Phil. Tiger versus Phil, right? Like the PGA wasn't thrilled about that either, right? Because it wasn't it wasn't a PGA thing. They couldn't monetize it. They couldn't. They couldn't. So like it when wasn't you say theirs. PGA, you're talking about ten old white guys in a room in Augusta, Georgia. I mean, when is the PGA thrilled about when Tiger was fist pumping? You know, his way to eighteen majors or whatever it is. They weren't thrilled. I assume they were not thrilled about a black guy uh, leading you know, the PGA and they had to pretend to be because he's Tiger Woods. So Joe, you're talking about these guys in, in a smoke filled back room in, in, you know, the, the, are you the saying Bible that belt. or do you believe that? No, I'm saying it cause I believe it. I believe that the, the PGA, a bunch of stiff, you know, old guys that aren't down with anything new. I mean, when have they ever, I, I mean, They've never been on like the cutting edge of anything. I no, mean, I mean, well, golf as a sport doesn't need to be on the. Uh, I mean, it's barely a sport, and we've you and I be. have debated that too, right? Like, if, if there's no defense, is it a sport, right? And and this is oh. kind of like, does it require skill? Yes, right. But is it a sport? Is it a sport? Yeah. If if there's no one, def- know, if there's no, if if I don't know, for me, like, there's something there, right? Like, I don't know, is curling a sport? Is there defense in curling? Right, like that's such an arbitrary because there's no defense. I'm just saying, like, well, yeah, you're competing. You're physically, literally competing against somebody else who's trying to beat you. In golf, you're it's you versus the course, which is fine, and I'm not I'm not taking it away from it. But there is no defense, right? And and that's I just hit a mental block every time this this topic comes up. But I'm not debating whether or not it's a sport. I think it's fascinating that players on the tour want to play, obviously to make, I mean, to earn more money. But as you said, there is an appeal that comes with the Saudi league or the Saudi course or the Saudi tour or whatever. They're going to be playing the, the, the most beautiful courses in the world for money that the PGA cannot pay these guys. It cannot happen stateside. It can't. They just don't have deep enough pockets. So if, if, if the Saudis can get you know a couple of the Euros and a couple of the Americans to step up and say, we're going to do it anyway. I mean, the Saudis, I mean, they got Greg Norman for a reason. Right, they, they. This is not just, uh, you know, this isn't just some like backroom power play. This is a legitimate thing, and I, I think the PGA really does have a problem on its hand here because I don't think they can stop them. And what happens if you do? What happens if two guys do like actually opt out? To use your LeBron James analogy, what happens if LeBron, as a free agent, literally signs a, a deal to go play with for the Shanghai Sharks? What does the NBA do at that point? Right, they cannot match the numbers. They can't. They can't offer LeBron. No team can offer LeBron what any team in China could offer him, right? Ownership in the team, $100 million a season, like, that doesn't work in the NBA. So what would the NBA then do, right? And it's 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 not a perfect analogy, but it's similar. What would the NBA do? I don't know what the NBA would do. The NBA would, would, would crap themselves all over the bed. But <clears throat> what I will say is, on a macro sense, I mean, it, it, Brandon. That's your guy. <laughs> what... what, what I think we're seeing now is, I mean, 20 years ago, when you talk about MJ at his heyday or, you know, 25 years ago, MJ at his heyday, the thought of anything happening outside of the United States would have been laughable, laughable because the U S was the only great and, and, and greatest superpower in the, in the world. 
no one was anywhere near. I mean, Tony Kukoc coming out of Croatia, like it wasn't even a thought to like go and do business outside of the United States. Why would you do that? The U.S. is the superpower. Like to go and sell products to people outside to gear, you know, events or entertainment or, or exposure people outside of the country. We never even think about that. But because of the globalization of our world and the U.S. is falling and, and, and the U.S. is standing, having fell. It's you're seeing an athlete-driven kind of a, a movement to globalize these mm-hmm. games. You see it with LeBron. The NBA, their calling card now is I mean, they they even put their numbers out, a number of jerseys sold in China, a number of TV Absolutely. sets that watch the game in China. I mean, so everyone is pushing now this globalization. And really, well, what it's, does it say it's about more our than, country? Yeah, it's more than that, right? You have players that are that wear equality shoes, right? But won't say a word about actual human rights in China. Except right? for Ina's Cantor freedom. Or right, whatever it is. exactly. <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean, but that's exactly the problem the NBA is now dealing with, right? How, how, do you, how do you manage both of these things at the same time? The NBA needs China, right? LeBron needs China. The players need China. Oh, they all, they're all making more money. I mean, guys, I mean, when we were coming up, Stevie, like there was two shoe companies, right? You were either Nike or you're Reebok, and then Reebok went away, and it was Adidas, and then Adidas went away, and it was uh, Dada or whatever. Weber had his own company, right? They, Dada was the Weber company, and Dunk, I think, was Shaq's company. But now the whole league is either Nilang, which is a Chinese company, or the other one I'm blanking on the name that that D Wade is with. All of them have Chinese shoe companies. All of them, and that's because they 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 just crush it overseas. They make so much more money overseas. Not and it's not just the product, right? But it's yeah, it's it's a fascinating issue uh, that when you kind of look at it from a from a larger perspective, the Shanghai Sharks legitimately could pay LeBron James or not forget about LeBron James. They could go get a guy like Bradley Beal and offer him a hundred million a season, and he would be foolish not to take it, except for the fact that he, he wants to stay in the NBA, right? Like, and and you said it, like the Dream Team, ninety two Dream Team. The the mm-hmm. you know I, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen that documentary. These guys were. They're superstars, man. Like they were, they were international rock stars, and that's only been compounded now. The difference, of course, is the rest of the world is kind of caught up, you know. And not not to pivot too far off the golf thing here, but I, I do want to just say this too: the the Olympics, right? Like, how many minutes of Olympic Winter Olympics did you watch? Zero, TV, right? Zero. How, how how upsetting is that? Like, I I remember being so excited for like, I mean, and and granted, the Winter Olympics it's and the, the Winter summer, Olympics. I know, I know, but but in reality, in reality. People don't care as much as they used to about these things, right? Because they're all there's too many scandals, there's too much cheating, there's too much no, doping. I don't care about the 15 year old Russian chick that was doping or Chinese. Whatever. Why not? I don't care about that. Why? I why mean, are the Americans don't. not allowed to compete in track and field for for hitting the bong? But but this kid is is allowed to because her coach gave her, you know, some heart medication or whatever. Like you can't you can't have that. What Russia is technically banned from the Olympics. They are banned from participating in the Olympics. So what does the IOC allow the Russians to do? They create the ROC, the Russian uh, Olympic, Committee. Olympic Committee, which is all Russian athletes to compete because Russia can't compete. You can't have that. I, I you don't can't care have about that. the corruption of the IOC or whatever. If it was What about the World Utah, Cup? Do you want to talk if about that? If well, they should have. Like, well, your boy Clay, your boy Clay's been saying this now. The, the US should have just said, "You know what? We're not we're not participating in any more Chinese Olympics." Okay, they've had they've had like back to back to back to back Olympics. 
We're going to host alternate like free world Olympics in Utah. Come if you want. You know, basically. Uh, are we a part of the free world? I, I don't know. I mean, he's got a point though. Like why does China get everything? And, and why, are they, why are they snowboarding in the middle of a desert? Like it's weird. The whole thing is weird. The whole I mean, if we weird. want to get more off topic, we talk about that truck convoy coming to shut down 495. Oh, from Philly. Those, <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I got I to get into the city early tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if it's done strategically, Stevie, they could, they could literally cripple the, it's not just DC. They could cripple the East Coast if they really wanted to. Right. But the Beltway in particular, I mean, listen, it, we're not old enough. I mean, you probably remember this. When we were in college, there was a, there was a group, I forget, I'm blanking on the name, but there was a group of guys that were basically paid, right? It was part of a, some political stunt, but they got on the beltway, they went four wide, like literally, they took up all the lanes and they drove the speed limit. And it shut down the freaking, it, it destroyed traffic for like a day and a half. They just kept driving around going the speed limit. If these guys come and actually park on the beltway, yeah, man, it's game over. Like it's 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 over well, here. They'll, they'll get arrested within an hour. They'll they'll, they'll be out. Yeah. Okay, you can arrest one or two or five. Look look at what's happening in Canada. You can't arrest hundreds. Can't do it. And who's gonna tow hundreds of of tow trucks or uh, or yeah, big rigs? Br- br- this is right up Brandon's alley. Okay, he'll take care of it. <laughs> he's gonna firebomb. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? He's gonna send. Uh, he's gonna, the Scranton. He's gonna he's send gonna the VP to handle it. What's he What's he gonna do? <laughs> But it is, I mean, it is fascinating, right? I mean, the people in Canada are, are I mean, they're beyond fed up. I mean, this is, it, it is it is laughable, and not to get political here, but it's laughable that two years later, any government still thinks that they can just impose uh, shutdowns at this point. Like, I think all of that is over, man. It's just, or maybe I'm just reinvigorated from spending a weekend in Florida. Maybe. <laughs> DeSantis country. Yeah, hey, listen, man, they got something right down there. They got something right. What's to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I, I mean, uh, you you missed the All Star Weekend. They don't have the All Star Weekend. In I you know I, I didn't watch much much of it. I did watch some of it. The dunk contest, it, it made me sad. I, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. It just made me sad. I, I Stevie, I re, I remember the two thousand dunk contest like it was yesterday. That was the Vince Carter and Stevie Francis. I know. Stevie I know. Franchise. Tell me, okay. Steve Francis got robbed, man. That dude can ball. And we we got to watch him here up close and personal, Stevie obviously. Franchise. He that that guy could fly. He was nasty with the ball and he dunked. He, he's just ferocious dunker. The problem was Vince Carter was literally putting his arm through the hoop and then he was doing the through the legs off the thing. And T Mac was out there before T Mac was T Mac, you know, tossing him the ball. We've come so far from that. Like, it was so anticlimactic. It was so I, I mean, boring. It, it was to the point that I, I felt like Reggie Miller, I think it was Reggie Miller, and it wasn't Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade was trying to defend the dunk competition. The guys on the telecast were bashing it so much that I felt like there must have been some NBA voices that said, hey, cut that out. Like, you can't bash the event while we're in it in the middle of it broadcasting it i mean and it was just stating the obvious they they reggie miller kept on saying you got to end with the three-point competition i mean once again three-point competition is must-see tv and and carl anthony towns was awesome i mean uh, our our boy razzle was telling me yesterday that uh he was plus 1200 (laughs) to win the competition okay and i i couldn't believe that uh you know set shooter set shooters always have the advantage right the larry birds 
Uh, Larry you know, Bird with the, with the warm-ups. Never I mean, forget. Legendary. With the warm-ups. Legendary. Craig Hodges with the warm-ups. I mean, we, we remember all this yeah. stuff. Even the game. You know, I know we were a lot of people were messaging today saying the game was great, game was good. Game was good. But they have to in, they keep on incentivizing it to get people to play hard. I mean, I remember the days, and you remember this one very well because it was the DC, I think it was 2003, where Mr. Iverson, who was on the telecast mm-hmm. last night, and looked like he's, he's put his life back together, which is good to see. Uh, Mr. Iverson was took over the game in the fourth quarter. It was one of the best finishes. Him and so Marbury. I, I'm Starberry. Yeah, I mean, I need I needed to go back to East versus West. I, I'm not I'm not a fan of the. Okay. I'm not a yeah. fan of the team this and team that. Although the drafting of the players was great, right? Because it, it kind of Harden because because yeah. Katie and Harden. But but aside from that and watching LeBron like you know kind of be human and laugh and everybody just kind of chuckle about it. Like I, I miss East versus West, man. Like I I really do. Like that was something you looked forward to. There was never going to be defense. Uh, there wasn't much defense back then either until guys like I I remember still when you know half of the East was the, the Bulls. Right, and they were coached by Phil Jackson, and these guys, I felt like at times, the, the other stars on the East were almost auditioning, right? Like they, they, like this was their opportunity to play with Michael and the Bulls, basically, because you had Scotty and Michael and Dennis and Phil coaching, mm-hmm. or whatever. The like, it was just, or even with the early two thousands Lakers, like you had Shaq and you had Kobe, and again you had Phil, right? And maybe maybe you got Glenn Rice or or one of those other pieces that they had there. Like we've come so far, even from that sense. Like I, I really miss that. Right? It was an opportunity to see these guys like want to go out and win. And again, going back to that '92 dream team, you know, the practice where where, where Coach Daly was just like he was trying to get he was trying to get MJ and Magic to stop going at each other so hard in practice. And now we basically, you know, it's a hundred and you know ninety to hundred and ninety one. And everyone's like, that was a great game. Like it just, we've come a long way, you know, and I'm not like, I'm not killing it. I'm not, I'm not doing the, 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 the old timer bit, but the East first West just had a different, it just felt different. You know, it, it was the way it's supposed to be. No, uh, my very hot take that is very unpopular that I will give you is after watching that game, after watching the full weekend, I think Steph Curry has ruined the NBA forever. I mean, I, I, it's not a hot I take. I really do. It's a fact. Is that, okay, I thought I was, you know, no, people were, were were salivating over this guy as if, you know, he was named, I think, 16th in the whole 75th, uh, you know, top 75 players of all time. I think he's totally ruined it. I think guys just come in. I watched the rookies versus sophomores, that, that, that piece of trash game. I mean, it was ridiculous. Guys just shooting from 50 feet out, you know, it's like 43. They have an like, entire contest now with hotspots. At half court because of it because they sh- they they pull up at half court. I mean it's awesome what they what what he's doing right. But what, listen, I don't disagree with you at all. When you when you talk about people that have changed the modern NBA, Michael, Steph Curry, and and you, you could almost argue that Steph Curry's impact today right now is more impactful than Michael's because Michael's was like a global thing. He was more about the marketing. He wasn't he wasn't the first person to dunk the ball. Right, he was the first person to do it with style and swagger. He was the first, like you know, intensely super awesome all star that the, that the league had that could fly, so to speak. Right, what Steph is doing has literally you have seven footers shooting threes at at a better We're winning percentage. the three point contest. It, right, centers, <laughs> centers. Rui here locally in D.C. Rui, his entire off season was just spent shooting three pointers. 
and he leads the league now, the Wizards, in, in three-point percentage, right? You have a guy like da- uh, Davis Bertans, who obviously now is gone and, and you know, best of luck elsewhere. He, he gets He's getting paid $17 million a year because he can stand behind the three-point line and, and hit shots, theoretically, right? So what, what Steph Curry has done, I mean, you have people now on a fast break getting the ball with, with access to the key or whatever, right? They could potentially go in, hard foul, layup, whatever. They pull it back. They pull back yeah. and dribble, or they pass it out to, to the three-point line to get the three instead of the two. It's it's just amazing because, again, like you were saying, like it, before Steph Curry did what Steph Curry did right the, the, over the last, let's say, 11 years, there was a team called the Phoenix Suns, right? D'Antoni. D'Antoni, Steve Nash, The Matrix. Those guys, that's what they did. They had Amari Stoudemire as an undersized center. Everybody just went and shot threes. Tons and tons and tons and tons of threes. At the time, the league didn't, like, it didn't propel them far because they were the only team doing it. But now the entire team is doing it. Well, the two things about that is interesting is I think, um, I think what they did was even based on analytics. If I remember, you know, correctly, D'Antoni would do the the analysis of if you shoot, you know, 35% from three point range and, you know, you give up two points, two points, two points, but then you get three point, three point. I mean, like, it's a wash essentially, or you Mm -hmm. come out on top. So, but you also get more possessions. Exactly, get, seven seconds or less. Right. You know, but the only reason it didn't pick up more steam was because the San Antonio Spurs were their roadblock, where they never got to the finals because. The oh, Spurs, but the Rockets with Yao Ming, like the te- the leagues, the, the 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 dominant team still had centers. Right. Like the league so, wasn't ready for it back then. That's right. Like the, the the Suns can go up and down and 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 shoot a zillion threes, but they couldn't defend Shaq or Yao or Duncan or Robinson. Although Robinson, Robinson, I think, was gone at that point. But like the league was built differently. But now there's no centers. The Europeans, and it's the Europeans' fault. Yeah. Well, the well, I mean, Dirk was I, Dirk. I think was the first modern Euro that I can remember coming over as a seven footer, as a small forward who shoots threes. Right, I mean, I think he's the first one in my mind. Like when I think of it, right. But there was others before him, like Detlef Schrempf, Right, it was a Euro that was a power forward, a super undersized power forward. I mean, even Sam Perkins on the the Supersonics team from uh, what was it? I guess it was the late the late nineties or mid nineties. Yeah, they right? lost the like they would all shoot threes also, but it was just a very different. Now, literally everybody shoots threes. Like you can't be in the league if you don't shoot threes. Like there's no spot for a guy like Shaq anymore. It just doesn't like it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. But you know, 190 to 191 or whatever the score was, it was fine. I, I think for me, the, the the dunk contest, like I said, it was super, just a letdown. Even a couple of years ago, the 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 the, the Zach Levine, Aaron, Aaron Gordon dunk contest, which is, was amazing, right? Like, it seems like every five or six years, we get a really, really good one, and then there's just a bunch of stinkers in between them. Um, you know, but the big takeaway for me, Stevie, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you heard the soundbite from LeBron, was him kind of laying the groundwork to return yet again to Cleveland. Did you pick up on that? No, I mean I I saw him scholar like gift. It was one of those. Uh, it was during one of the pregame interview sessions or something, and and they were talking about like obviously the game being going back to Cleveland. The, the Cleveland was hosting the All Star. By the way, I thought it rotated through all the cities. Cleveland has had it like five times in in fifteen years. I don't know how that works, but um, you know they they have two All Stars on uh, on the you know uh, Mobley's a first time All Star and Garland, and they were asking LeBron about it, and LeBron said, "Well, and they'll always have me." Right, and then of course now people are running with that too. Like maybe he's he's setting things up now for a return, one final return to Cleveland uh, to kind of end things. Uh, well, then, but then when he was asked about it, he said he, whatever he'll he wants to end his season. He wants his last season to be with his son, regardless of where his son mm-hmm. goes. 
You'll, so, you'll, yeah. you'll pay, you'll, you'll play for free basically. Cause like who, who else, what a unique opportunity. That's kind of cool, I guess. But, uh, but Cleveland, I mean, you, I mean you, you were probably sitting on a beach on <clears throat> Friday night, but I watched the uh, skills competition or whatever they're calling it. And the Antikatupos or whatever, <laughs> all of them, <laughs> these guys, Hey, Giannis is actually my favorite player now from a personality standpoint. I mean, that dude just plays hard no matter. I mean, he, you could tell he was salty about losing to the rookie group or the, you know, mm-hmm. I think they played the Cleveland group or whatever. And, and then he had his, you know, his brothers, like some, you know, I guess some backup in Milwaukee. And then the other brothers, like some G League, D League guy. And uh, Gian- Giannis is a good dude. Giannis always plays hard. Yeah, he, he's not getting, ironically, he's a superstar who's not getting enough, not enough primetime love for him, right? Like he's still he's not. Champion. He is, but he's not he's not super marketable, you know, and, and that's kind of a problem for the NBA right now, right? Like the NBA, you know, they, they struggled getting LeBron over when he like as a West Coaster, right? When he's in the East Coast, Cleveland was on in every time every early game, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Like they don't really have that now. And and Giannis is a hard sell still. Even though he's a good dude, and I think he may, maybe I mean it he's I guess next up, right? I mean, Harden kind of poo-pooed his chances at being you know, the face of the league. He can't be the face of the league. He can't be the face of the league. But I don't know. Harden? Yeah, he can't. He can't. No, I think the one who, I mean, I guess Joel Embiid is the front runner for MVP. Yeah. I mean, he's got the personality, too. He's charismatic. He's funny. You know, can be serious. In a city that loves basketball, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the league needs Philly to not suck, right? So, and then they have hey, where, for where, Where's time. Pete from Philly? Uh, he's he's in he's in my uh, he's in my text messages just complaining. That's where he Come is. Come on, Pete. Come on, Pete. Yeah, give me a little guy. Philly special here. That guy. I know he's listening. He is listening. He's always listening. We appreciate that for sure. The you know I, I actually call him from time to time and we get into it and he tells me how wrong I am on everything and then I invite him to come on the show, Stevie, and he of course says no. So <laughs> it's always it's usually how those conversations go. But you know, just to kind of put a uh, you know a final thought on the NBA, like the dunk contest, I don't know how they can bring it back. Like once upon a time, they tried the you know recreate a dunk from the past that didn't really work. Then they tried, you know, you can have props and whatever, and that was kind of cool, I guess, for a minute. But like. At some point, do you think you just run out of dunks to do? Like, at what point, like, you know, once upon a time, J.R. Ryder put the ball between his legs and it was like, it opened up like Pandora's box into a whole brave new world of stuff that you can do. And then Dwight started raising the, the you know, the hoop and Vince obviously jumped through it. And like, people have done crazy things, but at some point, do we just get to like, somebody, I mean, there's a couple of guys that jumped over cars. At what point do we just say there's nothing left to do? Uh, you know where it could get to is, uh, you just alluded to it, is raising the hoop. Just keep on going, and that's that's oh, it. Just, just take turns, 11, like 15, 12, 13, 16, 14. Yeah, see if you can get to like 15, 16 feet. And I I'd watch that. It's, it's And it's it's not subjective is what I'm saying. All these stupid scoring things, it's so stupid when they give them these guys these 10s Yo, we should nines. pitch that. That's a good idea. That That's just – it's play, and, and it's quick. It's quick. It's just one after the other. 15 feet, go. Or just raise, raise it and then get all the guys competing on the court at the same time and just say whoever dunks – the most balls at 13 feet, the top two guys move on to the next round and just, that would be exhausting. Fun to watch though. That's what I'm saying is that would be a real competition. I mean, it, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't just be one dunk at 14 feet or whatever. Yeah. Go, go. But it'd be go interesting to see if John ja Morant could get to 17 feet. Yo, low key next superstar. I think next he's superstar. a current superstar. I mean, no, 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 like face of the league type. I think they can, I think the league can market him. They got to get him out of, out of that small market, but, 
the 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 problem is, and and this goes back to the Super Bowl. I know we we closed up the Super Bowl discussion, but it's such a celebrity driven society where I mean, we were just bashing Instagram off of uh, the podcast here a couple of minutes before we jumped on. I mean, it's such a we sound like the old grumpy men in the room, mm-hmm. but like it's such a celebrity driven culture where you, you look at the sidelines of the game. I, I don't listen to rap. And so I couldn't identify, you know, any of those guys, maybe except for Robert Kraft, if he was there, you know, if he was Meek Mill's guest or whatever, but um, you, you know, it just seems like it's such an easy way to like, you want to spice things up, do a commercial. And instead of uh, just getting an actor, get a celebrity, right? It's this easy out. And so you ask, where's these competitions headed? That's where it is. Maybe they'll do obviously the celebrity game, right? It's so stupid. I got to watch Justin Bieber, you know, try to play basketball. He can play ball. It's so stupid. He can play. Bieber. Was it Jason Garrett that was dunking the ball too? It's going bananas. That's Miles Garrett. Miles Jason Garrett, Garrett was doing it. <laughs> not, that Jason, no, not Jason, okay. not Jason Garrett. <laughs> I would pay to see that. Yeah, I mean, I would too. I, I, Stevie, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking about this raising the hoop bit. I think that could be that could be the bit. Right. Just get these guys out my there. Ronnie Mervis uh, idea with the commander. Yo, you may, listen, you caused a firestorm. We're going, we're two weeks on now. Your, your idea actually made local radio this week. There was a, there was a segment. We're not going to name which show, but there's definitely a segment. Somebody listened to that. Somebody listened to this show and use that, use your line on their show and did a whole thing about the local, you know, zillionaires that could potentially buy the team and Ronnie hey, Mervis, Ronnie uh, Mervis. Uh, uh. Yeah. I'll be in the market soon for a next engagement ring, and I'll get it from Mervis. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> well, when you go in there, talk to Ronnie. Talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I think your pitch was perfect, right? The season tickets will sell themselves, right? A little something for him and a little something for her, right? It just works out perfectly. Um, yeah, but we got nothing else to talk about. Baseball is not happening. We got to talk about. Actually, we got to talk about baseball. We got to talk about what the Nats attempted to do with uh, with your boy Juan Soto. They uh, they made a pitch. It was not received positively by Scott Boris and company, and that was it. That that's all I got. Although my theory is that if no matter what they offered, Scott and and Juan were going to say no, no matter what. So this is a it wasn't a real offer. It's like a it was an offer, but not like a real offer. You know, I think it, if you do the math on it, it puts him somewhere around like like 17, 18 million a season or something in that range, right? Because it was over 13 years, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, what do they do from here is the question. Because well, they, they got to yeah, lock him up. They got to lock him up. Yeah, let, let's just level set uh, for anybody who wasn't following. A story came out that before uh, the lockout happened, um, the Nats made a quiet hush offer to Juan Soto to extend him for 13 years, $350 million. Um, so that's, that's, it's more, it's in like the 27, uh, million a year range, which average annual value is nothing compared to some of these other guys, including Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. Uh, these guys are in the mid thirties. And so you're right. Basically on everything you just said, it was an offer that wasn't really an offer. I am pretty confident having had coffee with Mike Rizzo a few times that it was never (laughs) meant to get out. That that was it was never meant. Yeah, well, Mike doesn't like that stuff out. It, Mike it, it, Mike doesn't. I, Mike the Nats don't leak that stuff unless and, it's strategic. It's embarrassing because well, it's embarrassing. But the Nats it's have been. And, you, and you, it, don't, it, you couldn't see the Nats doing this, Stevie, leaking it out. Be like, look, hey, we tried. 
No, you know? no, 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 no. Because that's not a real attempt. And everybody knows it's not a real attempt. Boris knows that. Everybody knows that. And so what it was, was, hey, there's a lockout about to happen. Maybe Soto will freak out and think the CBA is going to change dramatically. Players' uh, ability to get contracts are going to change dramatically. So why don't we try to lock him in before the uncertainty of a lockout happens and take our shot and try to save about a hundred million kind of letting out my punchline for where I think he's going to land. And so I don't think they ever meant to get it out. Soto leaked it himself in an interview, I think with the athletic or with uh, another publication. Uh, so he's the one who outed the Nats. Nats uh, never but did I mean, anything about if, it. If that, if that, I mean, okay. If we believe that to be true, do we think he did it? Like no, with intent or Not just intentionally? No, yeah, no, no. He's he's a nice dude. I just think it came up and he just mentioned it and yeah, I think he's a, he's a twenty four year old who was asked a question about and again yeah. his bro- like we've we've covered here on the show his brother signed with the Nationals a couple months ago or at least about a month ago after agreeing to terms with the Mets or after potentially agreeing well, with them. So, so what's a, what's a real offer? I mean, I have a number. I have a number where I think if they put it in front of him, he would he would be foolish not to take it. But I'm curious if you have a number as well. But the other point I want to make, sorry, just because nuance is important here and context is important. The Nats are famous or infamous for uh, having deferred contracts, right? And so they have a 13-year contract that they pay out over 30 years. And that's why Bryce Harper hates it, why Rendon hated it. That's why all these guys hated it because it's deferred money. Right, and so you're you're uh, an economist, just like all of us, Joe. Is that a dollar today is more valuable than a dollar tomorrow? Right, and so the Nats have always tried to leverage these deferred uh, contracts. The the interesting thing about the Soto contract is there was no deferred money; it was pure thirteen years, three hundred fifty million. And so it does show a, a bit of goodwill and mm. effort on their part from that standpoint. Now, Mike Trout did um see i'm gonna need a fact checker here but i know that the number was 426 i think it was 13 years so if i did 426 it's 32 about 33 million a year i think soto is gonna hit yeah was it 13 years i'm um, looking for the years i see the 426.5 million it's either uh, 12 or 13 May have been 13. 16. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, it couldn't have been 16. I think it was. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 10 years. Well, it's a different sport, I know. but I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean his, his contract is bananas too. Yeah, I know Bryce was 13 for 330 or something like that. And then and, and Trout just blew him out of the water. Trout may have been a 12-year. He's a little bit older. 12 year. 426. 12 year, 426. So that's 36. Average annual value of a little over 35, 35 and a half million per year. Mm-hmm. If Soto hits 460, but Soto is going to be younger than Trout when he hits the free agent market. So if they give him 13 years, he's at 35.3 million average annual value, right on par with Trout, a little bit less. And he gets another year. So just tell me, what, what are you offering? You're a Rizzo. You want this done. What are you offering? Uh, I offer 460 for, for 13 years. So I was going to say just 400 for 10. 
Why why third? Why does it need to be thirteen? Because he's younger. The, but it gives he's younger. Isn't he, it? He's more, gonna hit the free agent market. Yeah, he'll have two contracts in him instead of one. But it's more money. Like I, I'm saying, if you want him to sign, no, like just sign. This, don't think you want. And you, obviously, you're dealing with Scott Boris as well. Forty million puts him way over everybody else. That's true. You know, four hundred ten years straight math. I I think it's it's a more team friendly contract to get him at the lower average annual value, of course, and lock him in for longer. Sure, because he's going to be good for that many years. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I just don't think he's going to jump on a thirteen. Like it, that's what Scott Boris does, right? He's looking at it and saying, "Well, if you if we can shorten the duration, right, then we can." If he's going to want his he's going to want his number, but he's going to want less years, right? Because that allows him to, to do one more, right? It's kind of like the A Rod bit, right? A Rod got three monster contracts during his career. But n- now again, Juan Soto is the, the exact. And we know this is the exact opposite personality of a Bryce Harper. For Bryce, it was very important to set that record, which ironically and laugh, you know, what's funny about it is he set it for all of, I think, two days until Mike Trout blew him out of the water. But Mm -hmm. to get that bottom line number at 330 as the highest paid contract was important for Bryce. Now, is it important for Juan to be the first $500 million contract, half a billion dollar contract in sports? Maybe. I don't know him I mean, that it's well. It's important for Scott. I was going to say, okay, you're right. right. I mean, and the Yankees, I mean, there, there, there are teams that will come and pay it, right? If he puts up the numbers that you just mentioned, right? If he stays on, if he stays on par with what he's been doing so far in his career, he's worth it. Well, if he hit 500 mil over 13 years, he'd have a le- less average annual value. Than what you just offered him, of course. What you just offered him is a massive contract. Yeah, which he would be foolish to not accept, right? Because no one's going to jump five million per. Like that's a huge jump, right? Like you said, Bryce was beat by two million. Not even actually, it's like one one and change, on a on an I, annual I don't basis. Think the learners won't offer this. I think that's the bottom line. I think. Well, and that and that's the problem, right? And when we talk about the learners, this is what always comes up, right? I mean, the the only player that has survived the learners and come out really, you know, shiny on the other end is Zim. He's the only one, right? Look at look at all of look at the cast of of studs that have come and gone because they couldn't get the contract structured properly. I mean, look at the Super Bowl. I mean, Strasburg maybe is the is the other one, right? Stras is still here and he's still getting paid. But everybody else, you know, they, they they get to this point and the learners just don't want to pay. You know, and it's, uh, I don't know, we should talk about Zim for a second too. I mean, I, I'll tell you, for us, for me, for me, I'll speak for myself. Like when this show, when DTC was first just kind of taking shape and it was just a, a dream and we're going to do this podcast on a website and we're going to see if we can get credentialed and blah, blah, blah. He was one of the first to like actually talk to us, you know, and he was he was all about the he didn't he didn't I don't think he we I don't think we explained the name, but he didn't really care. He just he was a cool dude, man. Like we were out there during BP and he was just just talking. Like he was totally fine. He was, you know, just happy to 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 chop it up with us. I think uh him and was it Jason Worth? Jason Worth, yeah. yeah. I, it was Game we of Thrones. We were talking about everything. We were talking we about Game, Game of, Game of Thrones. Thrones, we were talking about 
you know, whatever it Jason was. Worth, we should get Jason Worth on the show right I'd now. I'd love okay? to. He's, he's I'd love to. He's, I think he's chilling in McLean. I've heard that his kid is playing up in McLean. Yeah, I mean, what what was your reaction when Zim uh, called it a career? A uh, surprise, I really? would say. Again, because I, I, I did not expect him to announce his retirement, especially before... Just from a baseball standpoint, they decided on the DH rule. Yeah. Because I think I, I, we probably talked about this, you know, off camera is that if DH moves to the NL, which we all know is coming and I think is essentially settled science at this point, Zim could play for another 10 years. I mean, that, that guy can rake. I mean, he can hit the ball. He just can't feel. He just can't throw. He just can't do anything. You know, that's why they hide him at first base now. But, um, you know, he, he could have had a really long career, relatively speaking, as a DH and as a productive DH. And so for him to call it quits, I think also Zim's a, a smart guy. He's obviously he's a UVA guy. He's a business guy. Obviously owns a Salt Line restaurant. Sound like Joe Gibbs. Super smart. Super smart. He owns the Salt Line, which I know they just expanded to Arlington, restaurant down in Navy Yard. I think he's got some larger... Uh, aspirations and i think that's kind of where his head and heart were um and so i i think he'll be a part of the organization i I, at the very least a ceremonial kind of guy very much like a theisman-esque guy you know for the commanders without letting all the team secrets and all the (laughs) you know the mess ups and screw ups but uh, you know zim's gonna be a guy that's just around the park he's gonna be a batting practice like we were talking Mentoring the younger guys, you know, sitting in the owner's box, hanging out with Rizzo, uh, you know, until he may become a front office guy down the road. Uh, and I think he'd be a great, you know, front office guy. He'll just be really a team ambassador. And I think he's it's a perfect role for him. He's very involved yeah. in the local communities here in Arlington, McLean, Northern Virginia, D.C. Just a good guy. Uh, and obviously, he's, you know, he's he was instrumental in that World Series. I mean, it was fitting uh, you know, some of the things he did. I remember um, he hit the bomb, I think. Oh, it's going to test my memory now. Damn, he had a three-run bomb. Game five? I think in the World Series. But we lost two, three, and four. Oh, we lost three, four, and five. Uh, I can't remember, but he had a bomb. Uh, in Nats Park yep. that electrified the crowd. And, and, you know, we don't remember how great he was when well, in he, his younger he days. He was also positive and forthcoming and transparent and honest for years when the team was not good, right? And and he was he was one of the, the, the guys in the clubhouse that helped. I mean, look, look at how many careers he helped. Sorry, along. he hit a bomb in game four against the <laughs> Dodgers. We were down 2-1. He hit a bomb. We won Wait, that did game. Did you pull we that or did you look five. it up? I did not look it up. I vividly remember it now. He had a okay. bomb to dead center. Anybody can fact check me on that. And then we went to game five and Howie Kendrick <laughs> hit the grand slam. Can I get back to my point, please? please. What I was saying was he, he helped launch dozens of other careers around him of guys that are still getting it done today, right? Yep. You know, it, it, Tony Dubags. Like, there's so many guys. I, I, that's just one of my favorites, right? But even Bryce. Uh, Even Bryce, you know, worst wor- came, you know, at a time towards the end of his career, but still there was, there was more he could do here. Like, 
the team was better having Zim around, period, always, right? And it's uh, he goes down obviously as the the first and longest tenured, and probably probably will remain the longest tenured Nat for a long, long time. To, I mean, maybe maybe hopefully Soto, you know, challenges that over the coming you know decade or so, but. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to miss seeing him, like, you know, a BP and just kind of around. Again, like, he was always really friendly to us, and, and I'll, I'll miss that for sure. But he was also really good on, I mean, he's really good on just, I don't know. Him him and Max are the two guys that, for me, fit the description of some, you know, of what you just described. Or kind of like when you when you think about somebody just hanging out in the, in the box or picking apart the young guy's game or, or getting down and, and kind of mixing it up in the clubhouse or just talking to the younger guy's those are the two that always stand out. And I think Max will eventually end up here in some type of front office capacity as well. I miss him, to be very honest. I know you're Yeah. You're I know, I know, I know. I know. You'll see. Hey, you'll see him. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully there's first, a season. Uh, we're here. We're, there's, there's no sports now. We just got the NBA. Like there's nothing going well, on. Well, as we're speaking, and I, I haven't been on Twitter while we've been talking, but the MLB and the MLB Player Association have been meeting for hours, apparently. Uh, down in Florida, they gotta go. And Chelsea Jane has been, uh, uh, you know, they gotta wrap it up, updated. Stevie. We're not gonna have a season like this. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta get it moving here. Well, I think that it's been determined that would be disastrous. Uh, by by everybody who's kind of agreed. When was the last be... big lockout? Was it the ninety four, ninety six? No, no, no. The big one was ninety four, and that lasted. Uh, Quite a while, but well, that's uh, the one that set the league back like ten years, and it wasn't until the the Sosa McGuire home run, you know, chase, where where fans really kind of came back in droves. I think there was another lockout though. Yes, I think in the uh, early two thousands or, or two thousand, but it was short. I mean this this one cannot be anything. I mean, you just got to get it done. Yeah. And they will. They will. I, I think they will too. There's just too much money at stake. I think they will too. Uh, I have one more topic for you. Have you watched? You know, it looks like Russia went to war uh, while we were talking. Right now? <laughs> looks like it. Okay. Looks like it. So uh, th- would this be the wrong time to ask you if you've seen the, the Tinder swindler? <laughs> You know, therein I, I, lies the problem with I, the American society. I didn't, I didn't want to watch it, Stevie, but I couldn't turn it off because I mean, Loki stuff hits a little too close to home these days. Okay, I couldn't. Loki, so it, I'll, I'll give you the full context. I sat down. I was like, I don't want to watch the Wizards lose, so let me find something else to watch. And as I was flipping through, you know, Netflix and Hulu and whatever. Um, my wife walked in and she was like, everyone at my office is talking about this Tinder swindler thing. Have you seen it? I said, no, I haven't. I have no interest. She's like, can we, can we just watch like the first five minutes? An hour and a half later, I, I, I get up and I'm like this, the guy is a scumball. Like he's a scumbag through and through, but he's also a genius. I need you to watch it so we can actually discuss it. Cause it's, it's not on the level of the fire fraud, like the, the fire festival, Docu documentary or even Malice in the Palace to, for me, but it's fascinating what he was able to get away with, and there was no punishment, which is also fascinating. I mean, he was on Tinder the day the movie came out, or the he's documentary on, he's came still, out. He's whatever. on Tinder now. 
No, 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 no. He got booted. No, he's back. As of like Thursday last week, he's on it. With his name, with his actual name. And he's a uh, he's like a he's like a professional coach or something now. Like a life coach, I think. You need to watch it. Uh, I'm putting it on my list. Please. I need you to watch it. Any final thoughts, Stevie? Besides war? No, the world is falling apart. That's it. We're gonna end the, we're gonna end the show with that. Hopefully we can uh, we can provide a little bit of a diversion from all the uh craziness. No, hey, I mean we're not to get heavy here, but I know people are going through a lot of stuff. And so uh nice to come on here and uh, take a break from uh you know there's a bunch of serious stuff and we we always acknowledge that and we never pretend that uh you know that stuff isn't real and there's a lot of people hurting but we come here and try to have some fun and create a little diversion for for people it's uh well and for ourselves know. too i mean it's, it's for uh, ourselves too for ourselves to that. too yeah okay well until the next one then stevie uh, but look you got to watch the tinder swindler I, I need I need I need to break it down with you. I, I know I know LP and FP have seen it, but I, I need you to see it because I we need to have like a three four person like roundtable discussion. I think Razzle's seen it already too, because I I want to pose a question to the group right, and maybe I'll put this out there now so everybody can can start thinking of it. Who is one person in our social circle that we know Got well? It. Yeah, <laughs> who's the one? Who's the one guy that could pull this off? I think we were talking about him. Don't say before. it. Don't uh, say it yet. I'm not going to say, say it. Anybody. We but were talking <laughs> about somebody before we jumped off. I'd like to get that person. <laughs> I'd like to get that individual at least to listen or maybe put him in the green room so he can hear the show as it happens. But that's the question I'm going to throw out to you, to Razzle, to whoever else is on that 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 show when we record. I, th- there's, I think there's one front runner for tender swindler. Uh, you know, somebody who could do it in our social circle. And, and it'd be fascinating to kind of see if we all land on the same person. But anyway, for now, Stevie, let's put a bow on the show. My name is Joe. His name is Stevie. This is Defeating the Curse, DTC. You can find the show on every social media platform, on every podcast platform. Go ahead and give us a follow. Give us a like. Thank you for hanging out with us. The show will be available immediately on on wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out the Contender Network. Big thanks to them for carrying this show live on Tuesdays and Thursdays and for all their support, honestly, to help us uh, get up and running and to expand our audience base. We really appreciate everything that the Contender Network has done. If you don't have the Contender Network on your phone, on your smartphone, just download it. Contender with a K, download it. Tons of local DC-specific content, Chicago-specific content, and national breaking news as well. Our buddy Bill Rowland hosts a show on The Contender. The DC Crossover Podcast is on The Contender Network. There's there's quite a few DC-specific people, people that you know, that you love, that you want to listen to, break down DC sports and DC happenings, including, of course, our show, Defeating the Curse. So until next time, thanks again for hanging out with us. For Stevie, my name is Joe. We are out. <laughs>